Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You know if you ever want someone to go to hell, then in that moment your heart's not like God's heart? Whatever the sin might be, they deserve. No, no, everybody deserves it though, right? Don't you deserve it too? Everybody deserves it. So if I really let God have my heart, it'll be a little more tender, a little more soft. It'll be very thankful. And you know what mercy should do? Should humble you. Can you receive mercy and be prideful? No, no. You'd be humble. You'd be humble. And that's what Christians should be like. Showing mercy to people who don't deserve it can be hard, if not impossible. We often find ourselves judging others and deciding who deserves mercy and who doesn't. Today, Pastor Bill reminds us that no one deserves mercy, and God still gives it to all of us. Whether you're a Christian or not, none of us deserve to be forgiven, and through Jesus, we can be set free. Instead of spending your time getting bitter over others being shown undeserved mercy, follow Jesus and be forgiven. Now, here's Pastor Bill as he continues his message in deep water with God. Psalm 18, verse 6 where he says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God and he heard my voice. There's a portion of that he quoted in verse two. Psalm 42, verse seven, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfall. All your waves and billows have gone over me. He spoke a portion of that in verse three. And then Psalm 31, 22, for I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplication when I cried to you. And that's the verse that we just looked at. He said, God, recognize him when, it, when I cried out to God, he heard me, he listened to me. Here's the thing I want to point out, right? As Jonah's praying, even though he's rebellious, he's messed up, right? I'm recognizing when I look at the fact that his prayer is kind of pieces of the word of God that are bound up in. So when you, when you memorize verses, you might not memorize the address. You might not have every word and thing just right, but you got the gist of it, right? Jonah's praying and the word is flowing, but he's praying according to the word. He's praying what he knows from the word. God has revealed himself to Jonah through the word. And in this in this moment of need, guess what's coming to the surface? The word. God can only bring back up what you did what? What you put in. And that's why we, we, be, we be, be encouraging you guys constantly every day. Make it a daily habit. Do the Bible reading. Get the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm and a proverb every day. You'd be amazed as you go through it how some days stuff will just scream to you and I never saw that before. And you'd be highlighting your Bible and marking favorite verses and now you got stuff stored away that this is more for God to work with when you need it. More for God to bring up. But God can't bring up the word that you ain't never read. He'd be bringing up movie clippings for you. I remember that one movie when that thing happened, you know, and rap songs and whatnot. You need God to be bringing up the word, you know, so, but you got to sew it in. Jonah, in his time of desperate need, the word is coming to the surface because he sewed it in there. And so I encourage you guys to sow the word into your hearts. God will bring it up when you need it the most. I've known people that fell all the way far away and some word that they heard way back in the day, God had that. It was in there and he brought it back up. And he spoke to him through it and drew him to himself and used the word that was sown in there. Let there be time every day where you're sowing God's word in. Because look, at it's coming up when he needs it. It'll come up in your life when you need it as well. And so moving on now, it says, verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. And again, in verses 7 and 8, we kind of move from Jonas kind of now showing his, con- his contrition, his sorrow over his sin. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. He said, man, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm remembering the Lord. I had forgotten the Lord. 
how do you forget the Lord? How does that happen? How does a person forget the Lord? It's sometimes very intentional. There are some people that they don't forget the Lord on accident. They actually move away. I got to get away from where he's speaking so I don't hear it. I got to get away from the people that speak like him so I don't hear them. I intentionally move myself away from because I want to go do something else. Jonah, how did he forget the Lord? It was intentional, right? He's like, God's telling me to do what I don't want to do. I don't like these people in Nineveh. They're wicked. I want them to be judged. I don't want to go. And so I don't want to hear it. You know, like, la, la, la. I put this. It's just he's I want to move in the other direction. I don't want to do what God is saying to do. And so now I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. I'm amazed at this. Right. For all that Jonah's done when he prays, he can still get a prayer through. Right. God's still listening. When you repent, that's just, I mean, these things amaze me and they, they minister to me about the character and the nature of God. I look at what Jonah did again. In my humanness, I feel like, you know, there should be some kind of repercussion, some kind of spanking, some kind of, but God's like, I'm listening, bro. When you pray, I'm, I, I hear you. It's funny how we'll feel towards somebody messing up. Like they need that. But when you mess up, what do you want? What do you want when you mess up? I want forgiveness, mercy, grace, no spanking, no discipline. I want I want easy street. We have to grow to a place where we want that for other people. Sometimes Christians are real hypocritical that way. You mess up what you want for yourself. God, just be merciful and gracious. Forgive me. Have mercy. Mercy is your favorite word in your prayer life. Somebody else around you, Lord, get them. Lord, show them. Lord, break them. Make them know that they should, you know, you praying all harsh and break their teeth in their mouth. Let them let them let them lose their job so they'll know not to do that again. And it's. But that's not in that's not really God's heart all the time. Right. I'll leave that part up to God. Sometimes it's God. God knows when they need to be broken. But it's also we should be able to rejoice when God is showing mercy because who don't love some mercy. Anybody here ever been shown mercy? God's mercy. I mean, I, I think of several things in my life where man, it was just mercy. Right. I, I didn't earn it. Didn't deserve it. What I deserved. I didn't get. I went to school with some guys and some guys in here were in the same high school and now I shouldn't have graduated on time not cheated my way through a good part of high school but I was a don't, don't laugh out loud at me I'm, I'm still preaching here you know I was a pretty good cheater but I cheated through a good part of high school senior year and you can't you can't graduate with an F my most difficult class was history because most of the tests were long written out essays and it was all essays, and I had this. I had a masterful plan in a big pen. You guys know what a big pen, the little pens, and you, you bite the top off. So I wrote, I pre-wrote essays small, rolled them up, and stuck them in top of the big pen. So he comes around the beginning of the test. You have to have your blank papers. He looks at both sides, and then you have your pen, your blank papers. He comes, looks, inspects, and when everybody's done, he goes and sits down. I'm like, okay, now I just gotta casually bite on top of my hand. One thing I wrote now. I got one essay done, no problem. Roll it back up, put it away. Next pen, and I looked up and I saw him looking at me. And I'm like, oh man. So I look back down, I look up, still looking at me. He's on, he's on to me. He walks over and I'm busted. I've never been caught that cold, but I was, I was busted. So he just, when you're busted, everything's over, that's an F. Now that was an F senior year in a class, so I wasn't gonna, I was, I wasn't gonna graduate. That was an F. He called me in the next day, and this is what he did. He called me in and he said, I, I called because my senior year, I had moved three different times. I was at my mom's house, my dad's house, somewhere else, back at my dad's, somewhere else. So he had called my mom's house. I didn't live there. He called my dad's house and 
wasn't sure if I was there or not. So he called me in and he said, what's going on with your family? And I gave him a little bit of what was happening between the households and whatnot. And he said, OK, he said, I don't want you to not graduate. And so I'm going to give you a D. But you understand what you deserve. I'll never forget that. My parents got to come take pictures. I got pictures of me in a, in a robe looking like I had done all the good work I was supposed to have did. I got all these benefits, right? But I didn't deserve it. Just mercy. Another occasion on senior year was a morning. One of our friends had a birthday and we went out and we got drunk before school. Celebrate a birthday. We got to school. One guy that don't normally hang out with us got caught and he told on everybody. So one of the girls that we knew came from the office and said, this guy told on all you guys. They're getting ready to come get y'all out of class. And sure enough, they came and called us all out. And I'm like, oh, so we're in the vice principal's office, all of us in there. We have a football player at our school that was all that, all city, all state. USC was coming to the school looking for him, blah, blah, blah. He happened to be with us that morning. I didn't know how special that was going to be for us. Uh, but we were all in the room. And when he got called in, I could, you saw the, the principal was the dean of boys and also the head football coach. And he looked at that kid and said, you went too? And they did this right in front of us. They took the breathalyzer, took out the batteries, put it back on and said, you guys have to breathe into it. I smell it on you guys, but it's not registering. Breathe into it. And he says, y'all are going to be quarantined to here for the day. And we would, that would have been another expulsion. And I'm like, they weren't worried about me. I wasn't all that. You know, <laughs> It was that kid right there that I'm like, just mercy, right? I look at those things now and I'm like, man, God, you just, I've had mercy in my life. Now I've been mercy and salvation and mercy and forgiveness from God and everything else. And so God is a merciful God giving us what we don't deserve. And many times grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is when God says, you deserve this, but I'm not going to do it because I'm, I'm just good. And so, you know, as we read Jonah, that's a merciful God. We got to be thankful for mercy. We have to be wanting mercy for other people because everybody needs some mercy. Amen. So be careful about being that harsh, judgmental, want to see somebody get it Christian. I hate to hear a Christian talking about another group of people like, you know, if you ever want someone to go to hell, that in that moment, your heart's not like God's heart, whatever the sin might be. They deserve. No, no. Everybody deserves it, though. Right. Don't you deserve it, too? Everybody deserves it. So if I really let God have my heart, it'll be a little more tender, a little more soft. It'll be very thankful. And you know what mercy should do? Should humble you. Can you receive mercy and be prideful? No, no. You'd be humble. You'd be humble. And that's what Christians should be like. So much of what we don't deserve, we ought to be a pretty humble, loving, gracious, merciful people as well. Amen. May the Lord make us into that if we're not. So moving on now, it says... Again, seven and eight, my soul fainted within me. I, I remember the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Verse eight, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Jonah's realizing in his own, he said, man, those who regard worthless idols, they forsake, they turn their back on their own mercy. Those that are looking to something other than the Lord, right? Because there is nothing other than the Lord. What are you trusting in today? Because the idols of Americans is different maybe than the idols of the Israelites back in this day. They were tempted by the idols of the countries around them that had figurines and golden images and, you know, little idols you could pocket and hold. What are the idols of today? The idols of today are are comfort. There are people that, that will abandon God completely to go after some more stuff. Money, success, 
the American dream. There's so many things that become idols in our culture that for these things, I will abandon the word of God, the will of God, the call of God, the plan of God. What would you rebel against God's plan for? Is there something you want more than what God wants? If God's calling you to be over here, is there something that you want more than that? God, but I want that relationship more. God, but I want that position more. God, but I want those things more. Is there something else that you, that would be an idol. An idol would be anything that you elevate in your heart above God. How do you know that something's elevated above God? You'll sin against God to have it. You'll sin against God to have it. God, I will sin against you to keep this, to have this. It's an idol. What do we do with an idol? What's the right thing to do with an idol? Destroy it. Get rid of it. So if you have idols today, right? They're worthless. They don't help. They can't help. They can only hurt. You remove it. Everything that God has for you, you can have while keeping him on the throne of your heart. So if there's something God has for you, you can keep him above it. You can worship him over it. And if he has it for you, God will have it for you in a way that doesn't damage you, doesn't hurt your relationship with him. Nothing will ever fit above him if things are done right in our life. There'll be no idols. Verse nine is Jonah's recommitment. So again, verses two through six were his his thanksgiving. Verses seven and eight, he was sorrowing over his sin, recognizing in verse nine, he says, but I will sacrifice to you. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. And he says, salvation is of the Lord. Here, Jonah says, look, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Um, I want you to consider that. We have our moments, our times here of praise and worship and opportunity for us to kind of corporately thank the Lord, worship God, give him thanks. And many people sing and offer God their thanksgiving in that way. There's some people that won't sing. I always I'm curious about that. I love to worship. God. I love to sing. I'm just I'm not beating nobody up, but I'm, I'm I hope it helps you. Right. The Bible talks about offering up to God the sacrifice of praise. Right. Do you have to have a beautiful voice to praise God? No, I just sing with everybody else. We won't hear you that much. You know, <laughs> while we play the music loud, you know, you can offer up the sacrifice of praise. You can offer it up. Right. There really is no good reason why a Christian knowing God wouldn't wouldn't offer up the praise or thanksgiving, the fruit of their lips. It's not just in singing songs. When Jonah says, God, God I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. It's just even in our speech that, that there be a thanksgiving. We should be a thankful people. When you show up at work on Monday you live where everybody else lives. You're going through what everybody else is going through, but there ought to be something you could be thankful for. And how you doing this morning? If you're a Christian and you're always Eeyore, you know, how you doing? Oh, it's just tough. I'm tired. You know, just the kids, you know, I'm just, ooh. That's always, you got nothing to thank God for. You can't offer up a praise. You made God look bad. You know that? I mean, it makes God look bad. You can't do him like that. I remember my parents, when I was little, my mom in particular, she would hate for us to ask for food or to act hungry at somebody else's house. But we were greedy kids, you know, it was like, so she would feed us before we left our house and we would get some, you guys home? Yes, yes, what do you guys have? You know, we prefer Doritos, candy, chips, and, and Snicker bars, you know? And she would just be humiliated, like, I just fed you. You guys go over and act like I don't feed you. And to her, it, she felt like it made her look bad. I'm like, no, we just greedy, you know? And now, now, now I got kids to do it back to me, you know, but. It, it, in a sense, with the Lord, when we're just all Eeyore and just, it makes him look bad. If you, have, you can't give thanks for nothing. When somebody asks you to think about that when you leave in the morning, if you start your day off giving thanks, it'd be easy for it to come back. You know what? I'm just thankful today. 
I smile, love my wife, I love my kids. God has blessed me, you know. Uh, I don't have to only view the, the negative. They're there. We human. I live in a world like you do. You know, uh, Gabe was talking about we, we rode to go. He, he rode with me to go share the word at a, a men's thing in El Monte and uh, my car broke down. Now, car was on a freeway. I'm like, mm, and it just stopped. But it was still rolling. So I was like, well, let me keep rolling. And I kept rolling. And I rolled on. And, and I got on the on-ramp. And it kept rolling. I'm like, man, keep, at least I get off the freeway. And guess what I rolled straight into? Gas station. I was like, man, God got me. You know what I'm saying? I found out I had ran out of gas, you know. But yeah, yeah. So I rolled right on into the gas station. I'm like, I'm not going to complain about that. I mean, you know. How cool is that? If I, if I got a break, I broke down in style. I mean, I rolled right on in the mobile station, gassed up, rum, rum. We got on where we had to go, you know. Thank you, Lord, you know. We have to find that place where even in the midst of difficulty, we're, we're giving thanks to the Lord. It's a sacrifice, right? Sometimes it's, God, I'm choosing. I'm choosing to elevate these things instead of the other. Because I always have both going on. But I'm choosing. God, yeah, the car broke down. Yeah, I don't have everything I want. But, but God, you, you got me. Look how you look after me. Look how you care for me. Look what you do. I, can, I have that choice. You do too. Be careful to, to give thanks. And, and, and sometimes it will be a sacrifice. Sometimes you may have to dig a little deeper for those things. At the end of the day, I'm going to give everybody one that, that's always there. If you're saved, on your worst day, crash a car, burn down the house, dog <laughs> ran away, the cat got run over by a car, on that day... I'm still going to heaven when I die. Amen. My sins are washed away. Jesus loves me. I have the Holy Ghost living in me and I got the hope of heaven in my heart. Amen. That can't be taken away. There's nothing can happen on earth to remove that. I can give thanks for that. Amen. Let us be those people giving him thanks. Last last little verse here. Um, okay, the last part of verse nine says, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. He says, God, I'll pay what I vowed. The commitment I made to you, I'm going to keep my commitment. My vow, vow was a commitment. He said, I'm like, God, I'm going to keep what I vowed. I'm going to keep the commitment I made to you. Then he made a statement. Salvation is of the Lord. He's the only one that can save. He's the only one that does save. Salvation is of him, from him. It's from the Lord. And look what happens next. Last verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. As soon as Jonah, Jonah's done praising God, he's given thanksgiving. He's Express his sorrow and contrition. He's made a new commitment to the Lord. And it says, boom, God vomited him out. Right. So the whole three days and three nights, the fish has been headed the right direction. Once he said, God, I, 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 I recommit myself to you. He recognized or he acknowledged the salvation is of the Lord. It says at that moment in that in that space right there, it says, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah on the dry ground. Now, if the fish had just vomited in the sea. Jonah would have been saved just to die later. You know, the fish could have just been in the sea and he would have drowned, right? What kind of fish is this that cruises on up to the dry land and throws him out on the dry land? Other than God's like, I'm sovereign. I'm over all these things. Now, some people take the book of Jonah and they're like, these are tales. You don't really believe this, do you? And maybe that's somebody here that's saying, I don't know if I can. You really believe that, Pastor? I mean, you seem like a sensible guy. You know, you really believe that a great big fish swallowed a grown man whole, swam and, and then vomited him up on dry land. And, and that's that's the story. I do. Two things. I mean, Second Kings, it talks about Jonah as a, as a literal person. But greater than that to me, and you can write it down in your notes. In Matthew 12, verse 40, 
Again, no one, no one greater than Jesus. Jesus is God. If Jesus acknowledged Jonah, then I believe we have to. I, I, if Jesus didn't take Jonah as a, as a, this wasn't a fairy tale to Jesus. It wasn't a, a mythological, it wasn't some kind of parable. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus in, in preaching and speaking about the, the resurrection, Matthew 12, 39 and 40, it says, but Jesus answered, he answered and said to them, an evil and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. What's that? For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and a much greater than Jonah is here. So Jesus is speaking to that generation saying, look, when Jonah was a real person, he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Like, I'm going to be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. Well, they heard Jonah and repented. Y'all aren't repenting and I'm greater than Jonah. He says, the people of Nineveh are going to rise up in judgment against you guys later. So Jesus Christ, speaking about Jonah, spoke about him as a literal person. So I can't read Jonah as a fairy tale. This happened. Real person, real situation, real story, real sinner, real repentance, real thrown up on dry land because God said so. Amen. I hope you can read your Bible like that and just take God at his word. Well, here's what we want to do as we wrap this up today. Jonah chapter two, right? He's in, he's in trouble with the Lord, but he gets out. Um, and, and the same thing Jonah does, everybody here can do. How do you get right with God when you've been not in a good relationship with the Lord? One word, God makes it so simple. We repent. Repentance happens in the mind, happens in the heart, and it's fleshed out in your life. Repentance is, it's first it's a mental acknowledgement. God, I agree with you that I'm wrong and I'm turning from my sin back to you. That happens in my mind. It happens in my heart. There's a commitment to turn that's followed through with my life. Repentance is not merely confessing sin. Some people will confess their sin like I repented. No, you just told God that you did what he saw you do. And then you did it again and again. And again, repentance is turning, turning from it, acknowledging it, recognizing it and then turning from it. Two verses as we wrap up Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. You confess it, bring it to light, turn your back on it. God says he'll have mercy on you. First John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you all unrighteousness. And so we do bring our things to the Lord. We acknowledge them, we confess them, we turn from them. And God says, and I will forgive you. I'll have mercy on you. It's his desire to show us mercy. I'm sure there are people here that need to repent. I want you to understand we've shared it. Maybe for some of you today, today is a day to just, God, this thing here has been an idol. I want to confess it, acknowledge it, and turn from it today. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's a time of, you, you need to come back. As Jonah recommitted himself, God, the thing you called me to do, I've been doing my own thing, but I'm coming back to what you want. Maybe today is a day for you to commit yourself back to the Lord. God, take my life again and have your way with it. Do what you want with this life. God, I give it back to you. And I'm asking everybody here that we'd all consider ourselves before the Lord. God is holy. He's just. He's Lord. He deserves. How much of me does he deserve? All of me. All of me. There are aspects of my life where I, I have to repent. God, I, I need to give this to you. You don't have, I need you to have all of my life. You died on the cross for all of me. And any part of me that I've held back or I've done my own thing has to be repented of, has to be confessed, has to be acknowledged, has to be turned from, that God would be glorified. I want God to have, have his way in my life completely. 
I encourage you the same thing, that we would just give all of ourselves to him. So I'm going to invite us this morning to repent. Uh, if you need, if you have areas, I'm going to let you come and say what your sins are out front. God knows, you know. If today is a day for you to turn from, back to the Lord, don't leave here today without doing it. Amen. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. If you missed any part of this message or want to explore more of Pastor Bill's messages, visit our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You'll also find links to our app. This way you can take biblical teaching and God's Word with you wherever you go. You can simply click on the link at our website or search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our services are held on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 and on Wednesday evenings at 7. And you're welcome to attend any and all of them. We'll spend time diving deeper into God's Word, worshiping our Savior, and just getting to know one another better. We'd be honored to have you join us. And if you're unable to visit us in person, we stream our services online. For more information, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org or feel free to text. You can reach us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Jonah. There's much to learn and to apply to your life today, even though Jonah's story took place long ago. That's the beauty of the Bible. God's Word is timeless. Feel free to read ahead and be sure to join us again right here on A Transforming Word.